Welcome to Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us shortly. This is our after show. We have an hour of streaming to follow our morning talk radio on KCAA 1050 AM and 106.5 and 102.3 FM in the Inland Empire. If you happen to be that way, you can listen to us from between 6 and 7 in the morning and then follow us here. Uh, So, we've been talking about stuff that's going on in the world and enjoying the fact that it's Friday and it is cooling down here a little bit. It's been up in the hundreds and it's only going to be in the 90s, which is going from miserable to slightly less miserable. Aaron's here. Hold on just a minute. Let's bring her in. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Let's get the volume up so I can hear you. So, is my connection better than it was yesterday? Oh, muy bueno. So I can hear. Better? Yeah, that's much much better. Uh, yeah, yesterday was weird. It sounded like you were in a pool, and all I was hearing was the bubbles as they came up. Oh. Yeah, that's not going to work. And you know, you could hear me clearly, apparently. But um, boy, I every time you spoke, it was like, uh, what is she? I, okay, I kind of can follow what she's saying, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, so much better today. Happy to have you back with us, clear and happy on a on a Friday. Um, I was just uh, looking at things going on in the world and um, Joe Biden's getting some flack because he has essentially told people that are advisors, uh, economic advisors that, you know, don't don't publicly discuss your role in my campaign yet because I don't want people to know exactly who I've got doing what. But then those same people are going on talk radio shows and talking about. Uh, things that are going on both economically and politically in the country, but they're not disclosing that they're an advisor for Joe Biden. And the news media is getting upset about this. Well, they should get upset about that. That's unethical. Yeah. I mean, I can understand I can understand Biden's desire to not be announcing people that are on his, you know, advisory board or advisory roles. At, until he's ready to talk about it, but then those people should not be going on on public television and and offering opinions when they clearly are representing a, uh, a political party or a political candidate. Yeah, I mean they're not going to say anything that uh, that would upset the Biden campaign. They're not, so they're definitely not unbiased. And yeah. if they, you know, I, if they want to go out and be, do commentary, despite being ha- having that role. It's fine if they disclose it and they, you know, right. Stephanopoulos worked for the Clinton campaign. Yeah. I mean, worked for, worked for the Clinton administration. He was a Clinton insider. Oh, yeah. So. Absolutely. You know, and now now he runs the uh, weekend show, although he's not on very often there, but it's still, um, uh, you know, his show. Um, and then well, I guess he shares the, the hosting now. It's now split between him and the um, I can't remember the woman's name, but uh, uh you know, it was like this week with George Stephanopoulos. Yes. George Snuffleupagus. <laughs> you know, and they may not be unbiased, but they are unbidened. <laughs> Popped into my so, head. Had to say it. Um, had to say it. Had to say it. So um, what's going on in the tech world, Todd? 
Well, um, there's all kinds of stuff going on in the tech world, but one of the things that uh, we didn't get to during the radio show, um, I moved it to Monday for the radio show, but I'll talk about it now a little bit, is I previously talked about uh, Xiaomi, that's X-A-I-X-A-I-X-A-O-I-M-I. Yeah, Xiaomi. Um, I'm not sure that's the best pronunciation, but uh, that's what I've heard, so that's what I'm going with. Um, they make a fitness band that is very much like a Fitbit, but it sells for 30 bucks. And they have a much more expensive $32 version that's also waterproof um, oh, that's cool. out there now. And they've just released their fitness band, the Xiaomi Fitness Band 5. Uh, and it's got heart rate monitoring and an OLED screen. And um, the nice thing about it is you can charge it up and it'll last any, depending on which model you get, between 15 and 22 days on a charge. So you don't have to take it off and charge it every night. You can just leave it on. It'll track your sleeping. Uh, and it's a $30 band, you know. Um, if you want to go fancy, you can spend 32 The um they, they've released it in China. They haven't given a date as to when it'll be here, but their version 4 is selling here, so version 5 will get here. There's rumors that that the version 5, when it comes to our shores, will have uh, the Amazon uh, Alexa Smart Assistant built into it. And that would be interesting, too, if you could take your Schmatrexa with you. I say Schmatrexa because I don't want to set off the um, yes. devices within uh, earshot. But... Um, but it's actually pretty cool. I I had a think of version three that I bought and and tested for a month, and uh, I I ended up giving it to your daughter. I don't know if she still has it, but uh, um, you know sometimes when I'm testing and evaluating things, I go back to what I use, and, and I've got these devices here, so I uh, I um, you know either sell them on eBay or something because I don't I don't accept uh, freebies from companies, so I buy my own to copy when I you know when I do a review of something. Um, so it's not like I'm I'm getting a freebie and then selling it for profit. I, I buy it myself, evaluate it, and then either give it or, or sell it to somebody. Uh, or it sits in a drawer where I've got a lot of that stuff, too. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah shh, so don't tell my wife. Yeah, she knows. Trust me, <laughs> yeah, she knows. I know she knows. She stumbled across the drawer more than once, and there's more than one drawer. So, And she's like, what is this stuff? Why do we have this? Like, oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's an excellent price. And it's certainly, you know, anybody pretty much can afford that. And as a way of keeping track of, mm-hmm. of, um, how they're doing and the steps they're taking. And, and it really changes your approach to fitness when you can track it that way. It really um, does. Things that are measured are things that are paid attention to. And, yes. uh, and the advent of fitness bands like the Fitbit and then the, the, the fancier um, smart watches and stuff have really, uh, gotten people up and moving because they not only measure it, but then you, they're also designed so that they remind you to, hey, you haven't moved very much today. Get up and, and, and move around. And of course, you can ignore it if you're ill or, or, or you know injured or something. But if not, it's just nice to have that little ping on your wrist to say, hey, get up and move around. Yes. Don't, don't stay sitting all the time. I, I have. I, I changed the settings, but for a while, my Fitbit was really nagging and mm-hmm. it was like i'm in a meeting and my watch starts buzzing and it's like okay i'm sorry i have a naggy fitbit fitbit so yeah. i had to turn that off because it was a little embarrassing <laughs> yeah though the joke about the apple watch is is that you know they um the way it's designed is if you haven't stood up 
within the hour. At 10 to the hour, it'll tell you, hey, get up and move around because you have to be up and vertical and moving for like one minute. And so the joke was that, you know, I can imagine all the meetings at, at, at the Apple campus, right? You work for Apple. And if you happen to be in a meeting and, and at 10 to 10 to the hour, everybody in the meeting just gets up and starts walking around the desk together for a minute. <laughs> then they all sit back down like musical chairs and go on with the meeting. It's like, wait a minute. It's time to stand because all the watches will go off at the same time. Because, you know, you got 10 minutes left before the end of the hour. You need to stand up at least once every hour. You want to close your rings. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited. So, I've, you know, I've started doing this walking. We've talked about that. Um, and I'm not to the level where I feel like I could go, like, serious hiking yet. I mean, I've mm -hmm. done walks in the mountains, but, you know, there's not a lot of elevation gain. So I really don't call that hiking. Yeah. Um, but Up I'm and down forward. is really tough, too. Yeah. So um, I'm really looking forward to being able to do that again. It's been a long time since I've been able to do it. I mean, essentially, um, uh, I had health issues and got myself out of shape because of the health issues and just never got myself out of the pit. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really focused on getting myself out of that pit right now. And I have to say, I feel pretty good. And it's not necessarily about weight, although I'd like to lose weight. That would be a nice thing to happen. But I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on being able to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are some people who the, the drive to hit a weight or something is their driving motivation. But most doctors say that's not particularly healthy. What you want to focus on is, like you're saying, the things that you want to be able to do. And you need to be in, in good enough health to do those things. And so you figure out what those are. And, and then you raise your activity level and you'll get there. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I still have this on my on my to-do list to do a long hike like a backpacking trip on the pct and i'll get there i'm not there right now but by the mm -hmm. next spring i will be um and so um unless we have a a really heavy snowfall then it'll be late spring my my intent is to go early spring um uh up to the mountains so mm -hmm. you know like spring break next year yeah yeah. So, hey, yeah. Have, have, have you heard about, and I don't have a specific story to bring up, but have you heard about uh, the thing that several tech companies have been doing where Amazon, Microsoft, and IBM now have all announced that they will no longer be either in the business or will be um, sharing their, um, their facial recognition software with police departments? I have heard about that, and, I, and, I, and I'm really torn the libertarian in me says, "Good, you, they, you know, no, they don't. They don't need that." But then the 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 other side of me says, "But you know, what if there's a, a hillside strangler out there and they need mm -hmm. to try to figure out who he is?" You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Do you want the Unabomber walking through the subway stations in New York when we could have spotted him and, and grabbed him? You yeah. Know? Um, the uh, I, I part of me wants to say shame on the the big companies for for caving to a perceived issue without looking at the bigger picture. The picture isn't that having information is necessarily a bad thing. The, the issue is, is how we use that information, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because some people, you know, some people there, and, and as we have seen over the last several weeks, there are people in our, in our country who don't feel that the police are there to protect them. Now, whether that's, that's fair or not, whether that's earned or not is part of what is being debated mm -hmm. right now. Um, uh, 
you know, I don't believe that the police are inherently bad and I don't believe that the police are inherently good. I think they're human beings and individuals are can can behave in good or bad ways. Yeah. Having well said, said that, um, uh, having said that, I I it does make me nervous. You know, if you get a you get, you know, and mm-hmm. I think of some cops are domestic violence perpetrators. And so you're trying to hide from your cop your ex who's a cop and you've moved far away and you've changed your name but hey he's got access to this facial recognition software he can find you yeah you know, that kind of thing is what what brought to, was mm-hmm. brought to my mind yeah now i worked on a swim team at one point in time that was run by a board of parents and two of the parents on the board were police officers and it was shared with me that there was some issues with one of the coaches that they gathered through their work that, that a normal person wouldn't have been able to gather um and it was not illegal things, but it was, you know, called into question whether they wanted that person on the board. And I thought, you know, why are you investigating people without, Yeah. you know, that, that, that's what bothered me was well, why on earth are you using tools from your work to do things that have nothing to do with your work? And right. That, if they've not was, done anything illegal, you shouldn't be poking around. Right. And you shouldn't be allowed to. And that's the thing that, that, you know, there should be controls and things like that on it. But again, not ha- not using a technology that's there that could benefit you is it, because it's not available to you anymore is, I think, wrong. They should make it available, but they need to have rules. And, and maybe that's what some of the com- companies are saying is that, hey, you guys put rules in place to limit how this stuff is used and then we'll allow you to use it again. But in the meantime, we're not going to sell it to you. IBM right. said they're just bailing completely. They're not even going to do it anymore. They're getting out of that business. Uh, really? Yeah. Which is interesting. That is interesting. Um, and I wonder if that has more to do mm-hmm. with some of these economies or co- some of these countries like China, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, there there's no indication at all that they wouldn't be up to nefarious purposes. Right. Um, but they've got but that, homegrown. They've got it already anyway. Yeah. They've got homegrown companies that are doing it. Um, the interesting thing that we found out about a lot of these things is that, you know, that usually it's an AI underneath it, an artificial intelligence that's been trained to recognize faces and look for specific patterns and, you know, distances between eyeballs. And, in fact, recently Google had even come out and said that they had one that could recognize people just on their gait, on how they walked. Um, oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, which I get because it's, you know, as a swim coach, it's funny because I'll have parents come over and, and they will, you know, lean in and say, where's my kid? And I'll look at the kids swimming and pick one out of the middle of the pool and say, that's yours over there, you know. And they go like, how do you know that? You can't even see their faces. And it's like, I just know how they move. I know how the kids move in the water. Each stroke is a little different the way they swim. And uh, and it's something you just sort of subconsciously pick up on. And so obviously an AI could be trained to pick up on it too. There's differences there in the way people move. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's creepy, but <laughs> it's it's not not at all surprising, I guess. Uh, yeah. But, you know, all of these things have had issues with um, determining identification of people of different races. You know, so so some of them are particularly good at at picking up facial characteristics of Caucasian European people. Others are better at picking up uh, Middle Eastern and and Asian people and, uh you know, and others uh, are better at picking up people of African descent. And the, um, you know, the facial features and the coloration of the skin affect how a camera can discern things in terms of differentiation. And so 
um, you know, that's part of it, too. They've caught some flack for not being able to identify, particularly some of the American companies, not being able to identify um, people of uh, darker skin because they uh, weren't trained properly on darker skin or, or were unable because of the camera technology to pick up um, as much variation. And so I know that that camera technology has been improving by leaps and bounds. All you have to do is look at your phone to see how uh, those tiny little cameras have gotten better and better. And that's becoming less of an issue as the technology gets better, you know, because it's able to get clearer pictures of people. Yes. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I've seen several shows about um, photography, you know, because photo- photography is really about manipulation of light mm-hmm. to get get the image that you want. And, um, you know, African-Americans, the, the light does they we don't have photographic systems. I, and, and like you said, it's getting better. But for a long mm-hmm. time, we didn't have things that would take really solid pictures of them without a whole lot of light coming from, um, you know, like bring the photographer bringing in light. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that has been, a, that's been a, a source of frustration for African-Americans for a long time. Yeah. Well, as we went to digital photos too, a lot of the digital sensors don't have a very high dynamic range. And so without a good dynamic range, that's the ability to the, the range between the brightest bright and the darkest dark in the picture. Um, the, the cameras don't nearly match what the human eye could do. And so we've started seeing HDR televisions now. That's becoming more of a thing in terms of how we project the images. And the sensors in the cameras are getting better at that. And once you have that higher dynamic range, then you can look at uh, people with darker skin and see more variation, which you couldn't see with some of the earlier digital cameras. And I know, like you said, that's been a frustrating thing for people, you know, buying cameras and stuff as well, is that, you know, if your family is dark skinned and you've got a brand new camera, you take pictures and, and you can't see faces because... Because the camera is incapable unless you put a lot of light on them. And then things happen like what we were discussing yesterday with that, um, that uh, girl band from uh, England where there's two African-American girls. When you take the picture and you light them such as like they're on a stage or something, you know, the one with the lighter skin, you can't even tell that she's, she's got any African background in her at all because they've lit her up so much in order to, to uh, get the picture that they want that... You know, you don't know realistically if I saw her on the street whether she would look like she was uh, uh, had any African heritage or not. You know, you just can't tell from the photo because the photos they've played with the the lighting so much that it's just it's it's not necessarily representing reality anymore. Yep. Which is you know, and mm-hmm. if you are if you're a white person, you never until I read an article on that, it had never, ever occurred to me. Of course, I'm not a photographer, but it had never occurred to me that that, that could be a problem. But, you know, especially, you know, we're hosting these uh, two girls from Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I have noticed in pictures, I, I now see it, right? Because they're both very dark skinned. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some pictures where it's really hard to make out their faces. And so what we've tried to do then is to make sure, like, like we took pictures at Christmas and everybody put up their iPhone, put their iPhone clear outside flashlight on their faces. And we took beautiful pictures of them. But we had to bring in extra light because the camera couldn't do it on its own. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing that with a little bit of knowledge and a higher end camera, they do better jobs with um, uh, on, um, uh, you know, the more professional type of cameras. They get better lighting and better light is on the sensors. Than the tiny little, you know, pinky sized. I mean, if you look at your pinky nail, it is probably as big or, or, or it's 
uh, sometimes even larger, um, like mine is probably about twice the size of the actual sensor inside the camera in my phone, whereas the sensor on the camera that I use um, when I'm taking, trying to take good pictures is the size of two postage stamps side by side. And so it's, you know, just imagine half of your pinky nail versus two postage stamps. The bigger one right. gathers much more light. That said, phones are getting smarter about this, too, because they do computational photography, meaning they take what's essentially not a very good picture with a lot of noise in it, and they're able to remove the noise, brighten up the dark spots, and, and take an HDR shot that gets much, much better imaging. Um, you know, you've got a, a newer camera in your phone now. You might try going to the HDR mode and take a picture of the girls and see if the camera handles it better. So what is HDR? High dynamic range. Okay. Yeah, so high dynamic range is, again, that the measure between the, the darkest dark and the, and the whitest white and the lightest in an white. image. Okay. Right. I was listening, I promise. I just... Uh... You know, that's still, this is new to me. I've never even taken a photography class. As a matter right. of fact, I usually have Tobin take the pictures because I'm not a photographer. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you know, your daughter is. You can talk to her and you can always talk to me. So, um, yes. um, you know, it's, it's, but the, the idea of the, the, the computational photography going on in your phone, regardless of what kind of phone you have, any modern phone in each generation, they get better and better. Um, they do things like uh, manage the HDR, manage the 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 um, the amount of richness and um, uh, detail that you'll get in the in the shadows and in the dark faces and dark spaces within your photos, so that you won't have these areas that totally wash out because they were too bright or disappear into shadow because they were too dark for the camera to handle. And uh, so they're getting better and better, but uh, definitely been a frustration. So, you know, I actually, you know, speaking of my daughter being a photographer, and she is a professional photographer, I didn't realize, I knew she liked to take pictures, but so mm -hmm. do a lot of, of teenage girls, right? Yeah. I mean, so, it's you know, a phase it for a lot of people. <laughs> yes, but, but uh, she has made it her business, and mm -hmm. um, she has relentlessly pursued um, uh, photographers whose work she likes, and she has, you know, she she will learn from them. She will work for free with them, um, so that she can, you know, figure out their process and what they're doing. And and uh, you know, I'm really proud of her. She's she's kicking out some really good work right now. Yeah, no, I I agree. She she um, she has gone beyond the hobby and said, this is something I want to do. I want to learn how to do it. I want to learn from people who know how to do it. And uh, and she takes some beautiful photos. Yeah, she does, which I think is wonderful. I love that our kids are creative, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I love that we, that we, you know, um, nurtured that, you know, your daughter Jensen is, is a phenomenal artist. Yeah. She, and, she does a lot of different things, different media. She, she kind of bounces around to whatever her heart's desire is, but yeah, we've, we've both encouraged her to do something, uh, with that and, uh, career wise, that's not a direction she has gone, but she's always kind of thought of it as a side gig. And so, you know, she's never going to let go of it completely. We'll see. And your daughter, Katie, is, a, is learning how to be a pastry chef, with it, which is also artistry. Mm -hmm. Well, she worked for, what, three years uh, in, a, uh, in a bakery and was their uh, head baker for a while. And now she said, you know, I want to go and get the uh, – I've been doing it. Let me go back and get some, some education to, uh, to learn the ins and outs of how it's done because she learned to do it from the people that own the, the – the shop and it was she's you know I, I know how to do it the way they did it I want to know how it's done 
You know what Which I mean? Which is, yeah, I just think <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's fun stuff, you know. And I know we talked about, you know, Reagan and her, her f- photography, but to be honest, you talk about creativity, you know, your son Alex is a programmer, and as somebody who comes from a technical background, that's incredibly creative. It's, it's nothing but problem solving and understanding ways, you know, one of the thousand different ways to solve a problem and what is the best and most efficient and, and uh and it's a very creative process, and a lot of people don't think of it like that, but it really, really is. It's not just sitting down and, and writing out code. It's uh, primarily thinking about how to solve a problem and then writing the code to do that. Yep. And so, uh, That's yeah. That's pretty cool. It is. A lot, of, a lot of creativity there in our family. So we brag on our kids a little bit. Yeah, we can't help it. It's not like it. we love them or anything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so... Reagan bought a new car yesterday. <gasps> she did. She did. Yeah. I, she was driving my 2008 Prius that I then gave to her when they got married. Um, that uh, thing had a quarter million miles on it and it had a major brake. Yeah. had a major brake issue with it. And they uh-huh. said, well, you know, you know, cause you get that many miles, things are going to start breaking. And so they're, um, uh, they decided instead of putting in more money into that old, old car, they went and bought a new car, and they bought a little Ford, a little Zippy Ford with get with um, uh, great gas I'm mileage. I'm not familiar with that model. What is the Ford Zippy? <laughs> it's not. No, no, no. no. It's Zippy. <laughs> You're funny. They bought a Fiesta. They bought a Fiesta. It's a little Zippy Ford. Yes, it is. So, it is. Um, and so, yeah, she came over last night and showed it to us, and she was very, very frugal. She'll have it paid off uh, by the end of the summer, and um, uh, you know, I'm I'm really proud of her. Yeah. That's cool. I like Fords. I got a little Ford truck that's probably got almost that many miles on it, but it's uh, in the last year has had a new transmission, had the engine rebuilt, had a water pump, an alternator, a fuel pump, a radiator put into it. So it's pretty much a new truck. Yes. Well, you know, when it gets <laughs> that inside. many miles, when it on gets that inside. many miles, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping it'll get that many again. I like it. I like it. Well, and so. a new F-150 is a, is a chunk of change. It is. And this one's a Ranger, so it's smaller and easier to park. And it, and it But it's got a flatbed on it. It's got a custom flatbed on it, so I can haul all kinds of stuff because, you know, I need to do that. <laughs> I say half-tongue-in-cheek. Half but it's not <laughs> like I haven't had more than one trip to the dump. So uh, so having a truck is handy. So the the Republican National Convention has been moved, and it's going to be in Florida. Um, I'm actually surprised that they're not doing it online because they like it hot and sticky with bugs. Yes. Yes. Well, it was going to be in Charlotte, um, which is also pretty hot and sticky with bugs in the summer, but, um, Mm -hmm. uh, they've decided to move to Jacksonville and uh, they ran into problems with North in North Carolina. Um, they were told uh, they weren't welcome. Oh, kind (laughs) of, well, their social distancing laws are stricter in in North Carolina than they are Uh in, in Florida. So, um, uh, Rick Scott, of course, is supportive of the president, um, and uh, the, the RNC said in a statement that it moved the celebration portion of the convention because uh, Democrat Governor Roy Cooper refused to provide assurances that the celebration could take place in Charlotte due to social distancing measures over the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the move uh, could generate over $100 million in revenue for Jacksonville, um, adding that the city... The AP reported adding that the city has a population of a million and a half people and is home to a major military base. Yeah, there's a naval base in Jacksonville. Senator Rick Scott responded to the news in a tweet. 
I'm biased, but this is a great choice. The state of Florida, the city of Jacksonville are ready and excited to host the president uh, for, for the fun part of the Republican convention. So, yep, they found their spot. There's nothing in the article about when they will hold that. Um, but I assume it's going to be in August because that's typically when they are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so maybe, maybe they should move it to Juneteenth, and that way then we won't have Trump in Tulsa. <laughs> Just there you saying. Go. Just saying. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I actually posted that on Facebook about um, that article uh, talking about what happened in Tulsa. And, and a conservative friend of mine, because I've got friends on both sides of the spectrum, said this was race baiting. And I'm like, Really? Is it really race baiting? Because race baiting to me means there was nothing having to do with race. That's like saying, I like strawberry milkshakes. And people say, yeah, why don't you like chocolate milkshakes or something? That would be race baiting. Why don't this you is like not chocolate that. milkshakes? Well, I prefer strawberry milkshakes. <laughs> I'm a chocoholic. What can I say? Actually, I like <laughs> strawberry milkshakes, too. I like chocolate, not chocolate-flavored I, things. I... <laughs> I like chocolate. I don't love chocolate. Oh. So, you know, so if, if, mm. um, if mm. I have, if I have a choice between, uh, like a, we'll say pie, like a chocolate cream pie or a cherry pie, I'm going to choose the cherry. I'm debating as to whether we can still be friends. <laughs> mm. Hey, there's more for you. That's what it means. <laughs> okay. We can be friends then. Okay. Good point. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? So, I, 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 like I said, I, I like chocolate pieces of chocolate i do not like chocolate flavored things very much in fact it's very funny um like when it comes to donuts if there is a chocolate donut i will have nothing before i'll eat a chocolate covered donut in the morning i just it does yeah it's you know really yeah i don't like chocolate on things i don't like chocolate flavored things except for maybe chocolate milk you know chocolate like on a uh pancakes or something's like nope don't want it don't want it at all but you, you offer me a Hershey bar or a nice Swiss chocolate or a Mrs. C's chocolate. And I'll, you know, knock down walls to get to you. So, so I don't like Hershey's chocolate. It tastes like wax to me. It does, but it's what I grew up with. It's my youth. Now I will, I will have Hershey's in a s'more because that is that, I mean, Hershey's chocolate is, that's what you use when you yeah. make s'mores. Then it's ooey gooey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, but if I, but if I go to like, I love going to Aldi. And if I go to Aldi Market and they, now that I'm not a, when I was still in taking, eating animal products, I would get a nice milk chocolate bar, um, you know, either a Milka or, you know, Ritter Sport or some German chocolate that is mm-hmm. creamy and so good. I love that. I don't like the waxy American chocolates. Yeah. I like both. They're different, but I like both. But I'm sorry, you know, and I, and, and the whole chocolate thing, I was teasing you about chocolate and strawberry milkshakes, but. Um, you know, I, I kind of pulled you away from the point of the conversation, which was I, I, um, the, the post that you made. And, and yeah, I just I, I I'm tired of the knee jerk reaction of I've never experienced it. So it can't be true. Right. Because or that the, is such a... Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just <laughs> I was going to say or the or the reaction of, um, you know, you're talking about something that I feel emotions over. So I'm going to just shut you down immediately if I can. Right. You know? Right. Um, I think if and, we don't, we, there's no hope for us as a nation if we cannot learn to listen to one another yeah. and like and hear what we're saying. Right. Not yeah. just 
listen and be thinking about what we're going to say next, but actually take a deep breath and hear and feel and, and pay attention to what the other person is trying to tell you. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I I love my country. I love America. I think that we are in many ways far ahead of, of a lot of people in the world in terms of, of freedoms and uh, the ability to express ourselves. And I'm happy that I was born here. Um, but that doesn't mean that we are a country without flaws or we're a country that hasn't made some horrible mistakes. And, you know, the, the things that happened in, in Tulsa are horrific. And, and you know, I mean, when, when you study history, you talk, we, we talk about slavery and we talk about, uh, you know, wars that we were in. But we don't seem to mention, you know, that a bunch of people were killed. I mean, 300 people were killed in the streets. You know, that's something that it seems to me is a big deal. I mean, you know, that's as many people that were, were killed when um, those dodos bombed the um, the building in Oklahoma City, you know. Yeah. And, and how is that not something that, that as Americans we need to look at so that we don't repeat the same mistakes, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that old adage about history. If you if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. Um. And and we need to educate people. And, you know, I, as a white American, didn't even know that existed, honestly, uh, until the last year. Didn't know it had happened until I, you know, I became aware of it. And I became aware of it through a graphic novel made to TV. The Watchmen TV show was their first series season was sort of based around that. And I started reading about it because of that, you know. And you're like. Holy cow! How come I didn't know? How come exactly. I didn't know this happened? Well, yeah. Why? Why isn't? Why am I just finding about this now? You know, it's like yeah. holy. I mean, presumably there are people who, if they were not alive, their parents were when this yeah. happened. Yeah. You know, because it was ninety-nine years ago, or nineteen twenty-one or nineteen twenty-three. So there are probably, yeah. um, uh, and I'm sorry, I don't have an open in front of me. There are probably some people alive now who were, you know, babies back then, and certainly. Yeah. Absolutely. People whose parents had to deal with it. So Absolutely. that's not that long ago. I've been actually thinking about this idea of reparations, which my knee-jerk reaction was always, you know, it's too, it, we're beyond that now. No, I think that, you know, we, we, rep, we can't do reparations. But then I started thinking about, well, what if those reparations came in the form of tax breaks, incentives for businesses, um, you know, uh, investment in black business, investment in in um, in communities, investment. So it's not I'm giving you a check for whatever. I'm investing in your community. I'm investing in your businesses. I'm I'm making sure that your kids have money to go to college. I'm making sure, and some of that goes on, but but I think that if there were a concerted effort to do that and to to allow people to build their lives in the way that they see fit, I think that that's I would support that. I would support that. Um, I, mm-hmm. I I think that enough injustice has been done to to warrant to warrant that to um, to invest where money has been taken from them. And I think about Tulsa being the archetypical example of you know they tried to build themselves. They tried to do they they pulled not tried they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They mm-hmm. built a community with good schools and good businesses and they were solid and thriving and doing well and we still took it from them. So I think we need to make mm-hmm. up for that wrong. Yeah, I I 
I don't. I, I need to give it more thought before I would offer an opinion on that. I would say that you know, part of what you're saying is they and we, and granted, th- I I have issues just with the language of that even. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer, a good response. I just I, I'd have to give. Well, it some I'm thought. just saying white America, and because I, because I don't, and forgive my clumsy language. I mean, certainly you and I weren't alive, and oh, our yeah. parents weren't alive. Um, and we, I'm not, neither of us lived in Oklahoma, but, but, you know, maybe, I don't know. We do lots of, we give lots of people and corporations tax yeah. breaks uh, yeah, maybe, I'm, and, I'm in, certainly, and in, in investment and incentives. I, yeah. I don't know why this should necessarily be different. I, and, and I have no issues with ever giving anybody a opportunity to launch a business or get a leg up in terms of, of starting something that's going to. Um, benefit their community in terms of businesses and growth and economic um, uh, standing. That's you know I think and and I think that your idea of doing that is great. I the idea of tying that to the idea of it being a reparation. I, I don't know because I I guess I just I have the, my concern is not that 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 there aren't people who have been. Uh, or, or families or, or or regions even that have been harmed by being treated badly by uh, another group at some point in time. My concern is how many other issues where reparations then will have to be, you know, I mean, do we want to set the precedent of saying that, that this is a reparation as opposed to we're just helping a community because they need help? Um, and because, you know, it's, I mean, certainly... As an example, there has been a lot of Native Americans who we could then go back and say, well, you know, we uprooted them, moved them across the country, killed millions of them. Um, and, and again, we is not the right way to say this, but white Americans did um, at one point in time. You know, where are you going to draw that line and say, well, we're going to give you reparations, but we're not going to give you reparations. Um, and so I just think you stay away from reparations and just say we're going to help this community uh, and we're going to help that community. And I know that a lot of businesses have been setting up funds and putting lots of money into ways to help um, uh, predominantly African-American communities as a result of this. Because they feel, the businesses feel, that the way to solve a lot of problems is economic. You know? Yeah. So well, companies like Amazon and, and, uh, and yes. Apple have set up a lot of, put a lot of money behind what they're, they've been saying. I want, I want the black community to thrive. I want them to be wealthy. I want them to, to have everything that they want to have, um, uh, just like any American. Um, and I, um, you know, I, I don't know. Your your heart is where your investment is, I suppose. And as a mm-hmm. as a, I, I I think that that this is this is we're starting to move in this direction. It's certainly where the philanthropic sector is going, and I'm glad. I'm glad. I think it needs to happen. I think it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So with that, we are out of time for today. We got to wrap it up. I'm Todd Brinker. Thanks for joining us on Back from the Brink. I'm here with... Aaron Brinker. And... <laughs> I know every day I do this a little differently, right? I haven't gotten down a, a patter before I like hit the we're done recording button. But um, uh, we'll we'll figure it out, or we'll just continue to be awkward and stumble. One of the two. Cool. Tune in tomorrow to find. (laughs) Tune in Monday to find out how we ended. (laughs) 
Have a great weekend, everybody. Aaron, have a wonderful day. And you let's too. get those. We, we both got a ways to go. Let's finish out that quadzilla. Let's get out Woo! there and walk. Uh, all all right. right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. Bye.